You're listening to Cinema Red Pill from Uganda, Kampala. I'm Sharon. I'm Joe. I'm Sarah. Today we're going to talk about Kiruko and the Sorceress. It's a movie from 1998. 2D animation. And uh, it was a pretty popular movie, so I think a fair number of people should know about this film. It used to show on UBC. Okay. When? Whenever they wanted. Was it no, YouTube so at that, that time. time? It was it was UTV, UTV Uganda TV at that time. UTV has like a box of, of films they got donated a while back, and they keep playing that for their viewers. So they would keep they would just I have assume. it on replay a lot of times. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's an adaptation of like an African folk tale. It's directed by a French guy called Michel Ocelot. O C E. O-T, I don't know how to pronounce it. It sounds like the animal. It does sound like the animal. Say the animal. Ocelot. Really? Yeah. I don't know that anymore. It's cute. <laughs> it's cute. It's, it's like a, a, it's like a weird half, half leopard, half cat. Like mm. it's in the middle. It's just the right size. Mm. Okay. I'll look up an ocelot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So that means it's an African story told by foreigner's eye but then this is a guy who grew up in guinea for a while his relation to africa is in childhood stage like his parents moved to guinea for a while but then he went back Mm -hmm. in adulthood but this story is from senegal the director drew inspiration for kiriku from books that were written in 1910 by a french colonial administrator he got a story different parts of the story of the from the books to make that story those the books can't be found online because yeah 1910 mm-hmm. and they weren't translated to english so they yeah. are nowhere but the film is voiced by african actors from west africa i think from senegal because that's where they sh- they, they 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 did the voice acting from the capital dakar is dakar it's, it's, it's yeah, capital believe, yeah. yes so the voice acting is from there you can soundtrack is by Yusundo. No, <laughs> I don't know that guy. And the, who is the son? You saw no, and they, and his and his 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 bio his, right his, his bio is so long. I'm you're like serious. this How is supposed to be. How can you not know who you He's like. She knew me and music. Apparently, so. Rolling Stone named him like the most popular African musician. I'm like, I don't know this guy. Really, Sarah, please tell please us about the guy. There's a song that's really common that I'm sure you must have heard. He looks like this. But what's the it song? Tell me. me the song what so that I like play it as an interlude. Seven seconds. <laughs> what? what? It's just a second. Seven seconds away. You've never heard he that song? He sings in no, English. I've never heard that before in my life. No, he wasn't singing in English in that song. <laughs> but yeah, he's got like a few songs. But I had no idea who that guy was. <laughs> anyway, so that guy did the, yeah. the score of the film. Uh, but yeah collab- an african film done by french people and belgian people okay mm-hmm. plot what <coughs> is it about um so kiruku is like a baby boy who speaks to his mother while he's still in the baby and orders him to what does she order him still in the womb yeah and then she or- he orders the mother to give birth to him yes and bring me into the world yes. mother and he comes out so you already know <laughs> kiruku is a special kid and when he comes out, he even adapts to the. She she t- she tells him to keep on doing things by himself. Then he finds out that all the men are gone. His mother immediately explains to him mm-hmm. that all the men are gone because a witch has eaten them, and also the same witch has caused a drought on them by from the like the springs have stopped bringing out. What does she has called? Yeah. 
drought, all the men are gone, and Kiruku is curious all the time, so he wants to goes out to try and save the village from the witch. Yeah, she wants the to know she's wicked. That was a great point. Mm. That's in discussion. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this witch has fetishes. I used to, I, I was yes. I first laughed Perfect. at the word, but it became okay. He has she has little fetishes that are like little box robots that are ones that help her in all her deeds of evil, freaking out the village people and making them succumb to her power. Mais où sont les enfants? Ils sont au bord du marigot. Et ils acclament le petit Kirikou. Kirikou. Kirikou n'est pas grand. Mais il est vaillant. Mais il est vaillant. Kirikou est petit, mais il peut beaucoup. Kirikou est petit, mais il peut beaucoup. Okay, so Kirikou, I really liked it. I really, really liked it a lot. I think it started and I had to get the hang of the animation, the way it was telling its story with Kyuku doing this sort of this telling you everything because he sort of speaks to himself and tells you everything that's happening in the film. You never have to doubt in moments when he's by himself. Okay. That threw me off for a bit, but uh-huh. then I really engaged with the story. It became so different and I felt like, my God, this is so different. It's so different from anything I've ever seen. And I loved it a lot, and I liked that I could not easily tell what was going to happen, especially as with some sequences at the end, which were so odd. And thinking that this is a movie which is, is aimed at kids, it's so interesting how daring this film is. Because first of all, there's complete nudity in the film. Boobs are out throughout. Actually, I enjoyed looking at how they sized the boobs on different women to fit yep. their size. This is a film with nudity. This is a film where a little boy kisses an old woman. <laughs> and, but then somehow it still wasn't coming off as strange for me. It was actually still working and that was so perfect. Mm-hmm. I really liked that. Yep. Then I liked how similar it was in bits to Disney films because this is like a hero's journey as if. So he's a kid who goes and he wants to do everything he can. He has something stopping him. It's he's small. He's a baby, and his smallness <laughs> is what he uses to come out and like save the town. He reminded me of, of Moana because he's fighting a whole big evil force for his village. Talk. talk I actually talk. felt like it was more Miyazaki-esque. Oh, in a way. Yeah. The way the, the adventure is But my point is it's its own thing. This is where I was going. <laughs> I'm not saying it's, it has similar bits to all those films, but it is entirely its own thing. First of all, of course, this is the the the, the animation. Very different. And the backdrop. They used to have so many cool things at the back mm. of, 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 of what he was going by. I really liked that. My favorite animation was the evil witch herself, the sorceress. It's so cool how there were small details like how she's they make sure she stays they were particular on how they were always showing the front of her. Mm-hmm. And then you find it's actually a plot device that was so cool. And I also liked his sequence in the tunnel. Liked that a lot. And the narrative. I really must insist this narrative was so odd. And the movie is actually slow at times. It had some really cool slow moments. My favorite slow moment was... I'm actually getting out almost everything I like. Because my favorite slow moment was his moment with the grandfather. I like the times when Kiriko himself actually felt like a child. And those were moments when he would feel tired. I liked it a lot because he was going through life so 
fast and being so powerful and I'm like oh he's like a Mary Sue you know how people keep saying ah yeah. oh, you can't go at everything and never stop yeah. he would go he would he would battle something and go something. but then yeah. there's this moment where he like makes a plan with the father then he's like let me sleep on you he goes in his his arms Sometimes and then I just sleeps Yes, that and moment I feel so small. <laughs> it was I like those boom moments where the movie really slowed down and just right. let him actually feel like a baby. I like that a lot. So the movie had a lot. And of course the soundtrack. I really like the soundtrack by that guy. For so fitting. When the, the kids started randomly singing it, I actually felt like this was something kids would randomly sing because it was so simplistic. <laughs> it was really nice. I like the soundtrack. Those were my favorite things. I really like this movie. A lot, which shocked me because at first I'm like, oh, I'm going to struggle with this African film, then struggle to find well. what I like. But it was so right there, very there. I loved it. Um, I also liked this movie. I don't know if I love it, but I appreciate it. Um, I appreciated especially how African it was when it became when it began with like French credits. I was a little worried about that. But it was insanely African, especially with the narrative structure. That's what was most interesting to me, because if you've read like a lot of like African literature, like those oral stories, like how they're translated at least in books, with that whole repetition, you notice like a repetition yeah, in sentences and stuff. Yes. That's a very African <laughs> thing to do. Why are you throwing that at you? Because I still have a point. That. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you talk about <laughs> art or some shit. <laughs> Stolen your point. <laughs> so yes, so I like the stuff with repetition. I like the constant narration, the anatomy of the story, the way it translates into film is really, really beautiful, and even amplifies that whole aspect of like this is a mythology, uh, and it's basically a superhero story. It's like this tiny person emerges from nowhere. He's strange, but he arrives at the exact moment that these people need him to solve a, a specific problem. I also really appreciated like the like the nudity and how non-sexualized it was. Because <laughs> that that again is a very African thing because there's pretty much all the women I think in this are topless. There's frontal nudity I think with the kids somewhere but everywhere. it's in that yeah pretty much everywhere but like all this. the kids are naked. They don't have <laughs> I think Kiriku is naked the whole time. Right? All the kids are <laughs> yes. naked. All the kids proper. They yes. And that was beautiful. That was a very African thing. It made it feel special. I actually felt like I was in a different space and time than like what I am actually used to. Especially in Africa where traditionally breasts are not sexualized. It was nice. It's just, and it's all kinds of boobs. It's not just like good looking. It's just all kinds. Mm. It's really nice. Um, I really liked the sorceress as well. I liked her fetishes or running around. I thought that was a genius fucking idea. I was so jealous of that idea. I wish I had thought of it. Yes, <laughs> I thought that was so brilliant because they transformed fetishes into like it's almost like ro- robot minion army, which I oh, thought yeah. was fucking was really cool. amazing. And then even the plot device that emerges, like concerning those fetishes, I did not see coming. Oh, I love so that. Yeah, that was that was really nice. That was so good. Uh, yes, I also <laughs> really loved the use of music. That's also a very African thing in terms of like uh, story structures, poetry, music. Fucking beautiful. And I liked Kiriku's journey. He wasn't just like this overpowered dude. Like he had so many obstacles. The people he's trying to save are dicks. So I'm just you're just you're rooting Such for him the whole way. And like 
Yeah, like those kids, like yeah. I think we called him like twice. I actually wrote them as losers of the movie. Those kids who don't kids. listen to kids. Actually, that little girl, Aminata. Yes. Wow, you didn't know her name. No, huh? she didn't have a name in that thing, but she Aminata. has hair. Like, oh, that Aminata hair. Aminata yes. hair. You know her, yeah? Yeah. What <laughs> the hell is Aminata? That no, did you know that Aminata yeah, hair, like yeah. in textbooks? From Oniva. Like those. Yes, exactly, from Oniva. From Oniva. Oniva. Aminata. <laughs> They're like. I can't believe yeah, like the reference to Oliver. Anyway, she sucked, is the she point. Sucked. And all the kids, even, even the kids freaking adults. Really yeah, even the adults. It's like his uncle. The only good person was his mother. Yes. Oh, the mother is just okay with what's happening. She's this, just kid, this kid talks in her woman. What does that like? <laughs> Push like me out. A kid that can Yeah, talk yeah, you can do this. You can do stuff by yourself. Mm. I like how chill she was, and she even helps him like along the way in his journey, which is amazing. Nice. Yeah, the myth- that basically the mythology of this world and the way it works was something that we'll have never seen before. I think I've been I'm so used to, like Western plot device elements. You brought up the whole uh, comparison to Miyazaki, which I kind of see. What's what's that movie with the with the weird magician, the sorcerer who like sprouts wings and shit? The the hidden castle, something the castle. Uh, Hold moving castle. Yeah, Hold moving castle. In terms of the weirdness of the world and how it operates and mm. how people are okay with the way it operates, I sort of see that vibe. It's not like stranger and magical things happen. It's just like the way stuff is. Yeah, and there's that um, like this one. Um, design creature design that was really Miyazaki esque for yeah. me was that that thing that was drinking the water. Oh, oh yeah, my yeah. god, no, that's true. That's very true. That is so true. Yeah. That is like so it true. was the first thing I thought. I was like, is um, <laughs> there was a I would think of spirited away. Am I yeah. right? Because yeah. there was that big black yeah. lady like eating. Yeah. Yes. And you know when when so when much. when like Kiriko like. Because I did it like a hot poker and it explodes. Mm-hmm. Kind of almost the same style of animation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like mm-hmm. someone was kind enough <laughs> to mention earlier, <laughs> <laughs> the African style of storytelling is very loud. Like, like you really feel it in this film. Um, you have like repetition. You have. Yeah, mostly you have the repetition. One thing I think I'll mention now because you know everyone has had their say and all their things are finished. <laughs> is that, is that um, um, watching watching the film? I felt like kind of uh, the sorceress, Karaba the sorceress. Mm-hmm. She has a bad experience with men. Yep. And I feel like it was a metaphor. Yes. Please say it out loud. I whispered it. You you whispered it, but why should I have to say it out loud? You yeah, why don't you say it? It's a, a very <laughs> direct metaphor for gang rape. Yeah, uh, a metaphor for male and female sexual violence. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, she met, um, uh, when, when Grandad is telling, you know, explaining to Kiriko why why Karaba is so mean and and awful and such a bad person, you know? He tells he tells him that that um she was held down and the and the thorn was forced into her spine. Yeah. 
and you know there's actually a silhouette of like a scorpion tail if you've noticed okay. in that scene yeah. no, I did not notice didn't see it. so it, it kind of feels like it was more like attached to something that's why I, I feel like it kind of emphasizes the metaphor mm. Mm. you know there's just a huge group of guys and yeah. So yeah, so she has like a really <coughs> bad experience with, you know, the opposite sex, and that makes her, you know, that makes her the person she is. Granddad, Granddad says that you know, that the thorn gave, gave her or has given her her magical powers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I think it's imp- like it's actually really relevant now. Actually, excessively all relevant all the time. We yeah. Think, yeah, yeah, we picked like the right time to talk about this. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Ta- yeah. Oh. guys, tweet us hashtag. Us. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about relevant things. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, um, Kiriku is. I think it's a wonderful film. It. I. I was also kind of scared that it wouldn't have aged well. Like I was almost worried that I was going to watch it and then hate it. Tell the story of the animation. Everything. Everything. Like I thought I was going to watch it and be like, what? <laughs> I like this film. What? Yeah, but it's still really good after all, after all these years. Mm. Um, I do think. What do you guys think? If there was like, do you think this is the kind of film that you would see a remake of? No. Uh-uh. No. Um, this is where I want to say, like, in terms of animation, mm. we we talked briefly about how there's two other sequels. Yeah. I saw a trailer of the one of 2012, I think. Oh yeah, I think that's the main CGI. Are you serious? It is bad. Oh, wow. Like it just 3D. so, and they are using the same characters, the same build of the characters, but they are using they are com- completely computer generated. Like they are completely computer generated. And they look so unnatural and just bad mm. and not yeah, good. Like there was something so pure and nice about this like, 2D animation those, that made the story great. I don't want that. Who haven't like watched the film? The you know the the the, the kind of character design is something you'd find in yeah, like Joel said, in like a storybook. Yeah. <clears throat> and, like really simple lines. All the characters are one tone. There's no <coughs> shading. Yeah. Mm. It's just really simple. I I do agree though. I feel like <laughs> like there are people who can ruin it <laughs> and have already ruined it in 2012. But it was the same <laughs> filmmaker. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah, filmmakers yeah, can ruin their own franchises. Look at Ridley Scott. Look at fucking Matrix. <laughs> yeah. So the gang rape metaphor yeah. was really one of the things I really wanted to unpack the most uh-huh. because, like, putting it in context of what that filmmaker was trying to say, how so she's raped and then she hates men, which is for sure. So she turns them into the fetishes mm-hmm. and who sort of become her servants. So what do you think is her her in terms of gang rape? What would relieve her out of that? What's the metaphor for pulling out for the thorn? Pulling out the thorn. Yes, because in the film they put a thorn inside her, and as soon as you remove the thorn, then she'll be relieved of all the pain. Mm. Yeah. What do you think is the metaphor for that? Like, what would someone like that have to unpack to to I relieve such pain? I actually I found it too simplistic. I don't know. You could, I guess, argue to some extent, maybe it's symbolically something in a child being the one that's pulling out the thorn. Mm-hmm. Or the fact that they fall into a relationship. That was... 
Yeah, that's that's the weirdest thing. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's weird. Good. Yeah, but but, but basically, they had, yeah, they had like a thing where sort of they had this theme of forgiveness, I think, as well. Maybe that was it, because they make a big deal out of it at the end in terms of like forgiveness, like forgiveness and letting go of stuff, because because like the whole village rightfully is like. We're not going to forgive you. <laughs> oh, you, you like, ate, what? You, you ate, ate everyone. everyone. And they sort of just give her get out of jail free card with that twist. No, no, Even no, though it was no, no. good. They, no, they, they, at least I mean, it was good. So no, no, no. It's like, no, it's, 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 like, it's like Lion King. Where like the whole time Simba is guilty that he was responsible for his dad's death. And it's not him forgiving himself and moving on. It's this guy telling him, no, actually, I'm the one, so you should blame me. Mm-hmm. And then he gets out of <laughs> the entire story that you had for no, him. No, like, the best thing in Kiriko was, you know, like, everyone is like, what? You're back here with that chick? Yeah, oh, my yeah. God, she's yeah. eaten half the village. How dare you get her out of here? Then the if you want to come in with her, you go back with her. Okay, like, you know, mm. there was... <laughs> and then granddad comes back with the dudes with and he's like no yeah. she didn't eat them she yes. just she just turned them into like wooden slaves so you know everything's uh, yeah. fine now i forgive but that it shouldn't though. be i forgive that though because that's also sort of how those african stories flow because when they when someone is jazzing you orally that's how that's, that's how, how stuff gets out. wrapped up like chop chop speaking of you guys have spoken about the repetitive narrative but you're not given it any context of scenes where there was some repetitive narrative I think that could help um, um, at the beginning when Kiriko asks his, he keeps asking his mother where is my father <laughs> and and she goes your father went to fight Kiriko the sorceress and she ate him yeah and then where my he, brothers where my you know where yeah. where where my father's brothers and then she answers the same thing your father's brothers yeah yeah That's nice. okay, yeah I really liked that would the, would a repetitive narrative also count where events were repeating themselves, like where the kids were, the scene with the kids? I feel yes, like yes, yes. That, that yeah, yeah, that also happens in that African stories. <laughs> Although yeah, you that, that does dicks. that does happen. That that is a thing. <laughs> you know, like people, like yeah. the the whole um, having it set up like that kind of gave it like a rhythm. The best way you can see it is if you if you have a look at that stage performance, that stage play that they did. It's exactly like the film, except they're real people. You need to see that Plus shit. Give me details it's epic. Of that. <laughs> Did you watch that? What's the setup? It's in a theater. It's on the tube. You, yes, <laughs> it was in the theater. <laughs> but yeah, they, you know, they kind of aside from the nudity because of course they probably <laughs> couldn't do that. But everything was just. <laughs> Like they just picked it up and they just threw it there. Mm-hmm. Like 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 people doing a Lion King like play. Like you mm-hmm. know they yeah, do yeah. those things. So it kinda helped because yeah, I feel like that shows how how well it's done mm-hmm. because when it translated into um a stage play, it had all that rhythm, the drums and stuff and the music and mm-hmm. it kind of like the pacing was really excellent, so I almost feel like the guy who made the movie mm. kind of made it like a play. Yeah, this is exactly yeah. how it flows. Yeah. Nice. Now, Very Joel, much. you had mentioned it before, but we haven't spoken about it, about how Kiriko kept asking questions, because even immediately yeah. when he comes out of the womb, he asks a question, yeah. and he never just stops asking questions. That's true. Want to build? Uh, yeah. Um, so what I appreciated is that once 
once they, because they sort of contrast Kirk with the rest of the society you sort of been born into, where like none of them ever seems to ask like why is this person evil, <laughs> and that's his first question. Yeah. When he says, oh, there's a wicked sorceress. He's like, wait, wait, why is she wicked? It's like, oh, you're too, old. you're too young to understand these things. You too. They couldn't even answer. Yeah, but yeah, that's the thing. They couldn't answer. No one, they're like, no one knows. No one knows. She's yeah. just bad. They <laughs> gave him an answer at face value, but he refuses to, to yes, allow it. He's like, I will kill you guys sense. and not giving me a proper answer. That's so cool. Yes, so in terms of like being a hero that actually wants to fix a problem, he's, he's a character that worked. He, it's, it's something that he was inquisitive, which I think is actually a rare quality in a traditional African setting mm-hmm. where group think sort of reinforces a certain idea and everyone just repeats it over and over again and no one questions anything mm-hmm. but Kiriko is just sort of this weirdo outsider <laughs> thing that just you know he's doing his own thing he's doing whatever and his, inquis- his inquisitiveness actually helps to say what he also brings the water back actually yeah. thanks to that he's, thanks to yeah he's always ex- exactly that's a great problem solver by the way which i really you know, appreciate i'm like they needed a baby to save the day okay. yeah <laughs> and that's something i i really appreciate that's also like a miyazaki thing yeah. in terms of like the, the child characters especially i appreciate stories where like the main characters uh, they're not like physically strong but they're like using their wits to output like powerful god level Guys, which is crazy. Which brings me to something which I also would want to ask you guys because I found it weird. Because he doesn't want to remain small. Yeah. But his smallness was a power. Like, ooh. what did mm. you think, sir? You know, I actually don't know why at the end he was like, why they made him big. Yeah, why, why, you know, when he got to his granddad, he was like, but then I feel like it was also because of what he experienced with, you know, the rest of the villagers you know, they just didn't take him seriously um, always being mean he probably felt like he would be treated better if he was an adult it's sort of it's too <laughs> no, I guess in a grander scale I saw it as a sort of metaphor because he was approaching these problems from a child's perspective from a newborn's perspective mm-hmm. I know kids are always asking questions kids are always curious and all that stuff so he was everything an adult was not. So there's like, I feel this, there's always this weird background force also in these stories. So it's like, which, which is kind of the narrator, but no, the narrator has a weird power, unspoken power in those stories. Mm. So it's like for the purpose of the story, whoever, whoever wrote the story needed him to be small, you know, that solve yes. these problems. And once the problem was solved, he then got he his reward and became big. Yeah, because the problem was done. The world, we, the world didn't need him to be small anymore. But guess what? The sequels mm. then are they're leaving him small because they can't work with him. But when apparently he's the they're sequels side are side quests. They're set within the they're actual set story. He, he <laughs> yes, that was exact reaction. That was exact reaction. I don't know how many. They're more like side quests. <laughs> but it's a nice cop out, yeah. Cop out yes, one or <laughs> <laughs> They didn't think it would get popular. Is there? mm, there's a thing I wanted to. I was thinking of also. Mm. Like, typically in Africa, like the lesson, even the moral that you'd think that they would tell of a child is listen to your parents, obey. Mm. Then you disobey. Then you fail. Mm-hmm. Due to your failure, you learn, and that's when you become a great big warrior. 
Kiwuko is the exact opposite. Yes. <laughs> He's actually getting by by being so disobedient, yeah. not listening to his mother, not listening to his parents, just going for whatever the yeah, hell he does, wants. Yeah. And that's that's what pushes him forward. I really like that. Because yeah. I think the moral there instead was like for adults not to underestimate wisdom yes. even if it comes from the smallest of places. And it comes in tiny packages. And he is tiny as fuck, by the He's way. He's even smaller than an average baby. He He's not, that's not, that's not even normal baby size like he is a tech that's why he gets out he gets out of his mother so easily like like that's how small he is he can he can fit yeah, yeah he, he like rips up he can fit in his mother's palm yeah oh yeah 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 like that scene wasn't it great how the film was, was a, aesthetically much, showing how small that's he what was. i was thinking the whole time hey, this kid was pretty much sure that may be the reason yeah there, there would, there was a, there was when they would do like a very wide shot to show how small he was. That yeah. would really put it into context. I like. I think he came out earlier. So earlier. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's why the brother was surprised even, he was yeah. even out already. And and even then, like the the village keeps saying, you know, he's so small. Yeah. Like even if he's a baby, that that's not the first thing you see. Mm. You say about like a baby because babies are like baby size, yeah. So if they're actually going on to say, but he's so small, he's like ah. smaller. He's super fucking tiny. I didn't think of that. I just thought he was. Oh my god, that is so right. <laughs> what you come a baby, out? Yeah, he's a baby. He's a baby. But he's they kept tiny. telling him he's tiny. Yeah. I just think I was just thinking of how abnormal so many events in the film are. I just wasn't questioning any logic here. Like maybe like <laughs> this is a baby talking, people already accepting his talking, like that then he goes and while. kisses someone and she grows big, like and then like you know he, ask, like, he asks her uh, He asks her to like and the way they phrase it, the way they phrase it, like touch him on the lips or something. No. Yeah. Okay, you guys, you guys watch this. Um, yeah. <laughs> watch that dub. No, in the dub. Uh-huh. <laughs> in the dub, his head. Would you like to put your lips on mine? Mm. Which is basically what. Close quotations. Is that what was? It's kind of what it's mm-hmm. the sub. The sub I had is kind of what he said, <laughs> pretty much. Would you like to place your lips on mine or something like that? But, in, but he first yeah, even asked if guys she take could notes. That's how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after, but that's after he asked her to like marry him. And she said no. Yeah, it's too tiny. <laughs> then he grew up into a Mayan. And then, and then she like, was cool with it. Like, go. yeah, let's go. Okay. <laughs> okay. And it's so creepy. Like you guys, if if I got a baby, yes, my magic kiss turns him into a man. But first, but you you've been on Earth for like how many weeks? And let's first like, yeah. evaluate that situation. <laughs> You're still, still a, baby a baby in the mind. I'm not going to jump on you like, oh my god, you're hot as fuck. Let's do this. Uh, <laughs> no. No, no, no. Okay, anyway. Oh, yeah, but I do have a collection of folk tales you should read. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I actually found them. Some some white lady compiled in the 1900s. They're really dope. <laughs> There's this one That's story. Real. There's this one story that like completely blew my mind. There's this one story in the book. It's actually the last one in like the entire book. Mm-hmm. It's basically um, it's called the King and the Puffadas of Budo. Okay. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's got a new idea. I was. So basically, um, the story is about how you know, like after some time, the king died, and it was time to select like you know a new ruler. So what they do is. They would send the prince to the hills of Mudo and he'd spend a night out by himself. And if he got through the night, then he was ready to take over and stuff. 
So, like, he goes out and spends the night out, and while he's out, um, the forefathers that live on the hill come to him, and they kind of tell him his future. And then, like, in his future, they start, like, there's this line that, like, really got me. They were like, there will come strangers from, I think... Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they, they predicted pretty much the colonial. Yeah, they're like, they'll come strangers oh, from the yeah. east. That's like an actual <gasps> story, but I think it was Mutesa, actually. <gasps> was it Mutesa or was it Mwanga? No, it was Mutesa. Mutesa, Mutesa, Mutesa what the first was the king that, that so, was told. Yeah. So, like, you should. She wrote it like it's just perfect. I want. <laughs> okay, guys, let's close up this section. Next, we're Don't going to for the post-credit scene. <laughs> it's not a post-credit scene. <laughs> we're just going to give some recommendations. It's not a second. We're seven seconds away. But just as long as I stay. starting i always start joel could you start the recommendations here we recommend to you what we like think you would like to watch it because it's cool and yeah. nice you yeah since we're doing animations today we recommend an animated film mm-hmm. uh, the secret of nim that's my favorite movie of all time i gave it to you and you refused to watch it for two years now <laughs> um, yeah there are some homicidal rights in there <laughs> Which is probably why Joel likes it. Murderous, so, murderous rats in cloaks. Yeah, but that's like half the story. But the story, Secret of Name, is about <laughs> a single mother. She's just been widowed and her son gets sick. Mm-hmm. She's a mouse on this guy's farm and he's preparing to like plow the field and they have to get the fuck out of there because all their homes are going to get like smashed. Mm-hmm. But now her son has fallen sick of pneumonia and they mm-hmm. can't move him out of the bed. So she's like, oh shit, what am I going to do? So like a series of stuff happens and she goes for help to seek help from these rats, uh, the rats of Nim. Nim was like this secret lab where these creatures were experimented on and they like developed intelligence. And they have like a whole fucking crazy civilization underground with electricity and some weird magic science shit. It's fucking awesome. It's a beautiful fucking story. There's nothing like it out there. That mate was called uh, Don Bluth. He was a fucking genius. So yeah, secret of name. Watch it. Sarah, please give us your recommendation. What have you watched that you really like either recently? Something you're obsessed over that people would like. Have any of you watched Transparent? Yeah. No. The series. Proceed. Who who classified that thing as a comedy? I went it's to the It's not a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> Quite honestly, it will it will keep you there. <coughs> Joe, you need to watch that show. Okay, what's it about? Okay, well, basically, mm. um, this father, yeah. he's uh, how old is he? Like he's in his late fifties. He's got like adult children, yeah. and he he basically uh, the premise is he's he's transgender. Yeah. Okay. And he wants to make that change. You know, he's dressing. He's dressing up like a woman and stuff. It's Jeffrey Tambor, by the way. Like, in the first episode, it's about him trying to come out to his children. Mm. But they're also self-absorbed. 
they can't. It's perfect. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my god, these are the worst children on they earth. The worst. At some time, they're, they're, the they're worst. too bad. <laughs> And then when you meet their mother, you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's a, I think it's a, it's a really good show. If you know, on the internet they're going to tell you it's a comedy, but it it's really not isn't. At all. <laughs> but you know, now I remember something else I should have told you guys to watch. It's okay. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched Big Mouth. <laughs> I watched one episode. It's of the Big best Mouth. thing. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um, Big Mouth is this animation about um prepubescent teenagers like this this is actually a really good show like when 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 you're kind of like approaching it like starting out mm-hmm. you're like you're going to be like a little guts <coughs> and stuff you know he has he has a hormone monster and he follows him out he follows him around in public <laughs> and he's talking to it but other people, other can't, people see can't see it. him but then like his friend kind of starts going through puberty and, and sometimes he can see him and then like at some point he's straight up just you're spoiling him. for us sorry <laughs> no stop you're spoiling the entire plot you're the <laughs> okay let me give my recommendation and then we close so I'm cheating today. I'm cheating so bad, John. Why? I'm going to Why didn't you tell me in so, advance you're no, cheating, No, like, man. but the thing with my cheating is it's not going to happen again. Most likely, because this rarely happens. But I had a movie I had put, like, yeah. My Life as a Zucchini, but I liked it, but I didn't feel so strongly about it. Yeah. So, you know this, because yesterday I texted you and told you, today I'm reading a book. Yeah. <laughs> so yesterday I read a book, something I rarely do. It was so good. Like it's so good where I'm going to impose it on everyone I know if they haven't oh read it. God. So I am going to impose it on you, just so you know. And in case you've read it, it's a cat's cradle by Kat Vonnegut. Has any of you read it? No. You must read it. First of all, let me sell it by saying it's short. It's very brief. <laughs> and the chapters in the book also are very brief. But this is good because it's it's satire, but it's playing on it's technology good. and on religion. But it starts off uh, uh, with a journalist mm-hmm. trying to find out about the day when the first atomic bomb happened, and mostly to talk about the scientist who made the bomb. The guy already died, so he's trying to like uh, have interviews with his kids. Mm-hmm. It is very, very different, very, very good. You guys have to read it. Even the first chapter, I swear to you, will get you because it really starts off with that shock value type of humor then it goes on to have a lot of context about religion it switches gear and then this guy gets into some sort of, of religion called bokononomi something something like that it, it's made up for the book it Japanese. but as joel you really like it but the thing about this book is the man is going through these things and then every chapter is like, like a short story that ends and finishes and it ends like in three pages it's really brief but it starts and it finishes and the man has so many like what 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 can I put for for it? Like a food for thought. Then there's a lot of humanism stuff, like with Bojack, because there, there's a whole like, do you even need to have a purpose? There's just so much great commentary. And within the book, there's little poems, eh? Okay. And the poems are so good. The way the guy writes, though, oh God, his descriptions for people. You guys, please read this book. <laughs> this has been our episode. Thank you, sir. Joel, producer of the show. Shout out to Timothy, another producer of the show. We're Cinema Red Pill. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, Cinema Red Pill. 
Um, find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Rate us on iTunes and Stitcher. It helps. Yeah. Download and play on SoundCloud. Bye. Bye-bye.